Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. Well, welcome back to The Room, the podcast where leaders talk about the things that we don't want to talk about, but we really need to. I am thrilled to bring on as a guest today, Melissa Rolfs. She's the CEO of Free to Be Coaching Firm. And she has a really powerful story that everyone who is a parent and especially mothers um, who, you know, you're balancing leadership or trying to figure out how do I lead and mother and do all the things that mothers uh, need to do. Um, but she's going to talk a lot about that. She's a, a wife, a mom, a, a business owner, a leader. Um, and her journey is a journey that I think a lot of us are going to find that resonates. You know, we're doing a lot of things and we start struggling with the stress and the tension of motherhood. And then, you know, the stuff behind the things that as parents, we often don't talk about what's really going on with our children, what's really going on with our spouses, and then how is that impacting? So Melissa, welcome to the Room podcast. I'm excited to have you. Uh, I'm excited to have you here today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be such a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So one of the things that you you talk about or that I've, in terms of just my prepping for this conversation is and looking through like you you were in leadership roles so you want to just kind of talk about you know here I am I'm I'm leading I don't know if you were a mother at that point but kind of talk about you know what you were experiencing as a leader um as you then you know go through your through your your career yeah so I feel like I've always been a leader maybe not identified to me that way um just kind of was told that I was kind of bossy and in charge and you know, I had leadership roles in college and various things. And I think, you know, that continued after college into my career. And then I think we had kids and made the choice to stay home with them. And I really kind of felt demoted. I felt like I had all this leadership experience. I had all these skills. I had all these things that I had worked really hard for and was pretty, pretty a natural skill set for me. And I felt like that wasn't being put to use. So I felt like it kind of deflated a little bit with motherhood. But then once I kind of realized, Jenny, that, you know what, being a mom is a leader in my own home, it just yes. looks that shifted things for me. And so now yes. I'm in a different season where our kids are in school and I'm in leadership at the school as a parent. And so I think it's just kind of been a journey of recognizing the season that I'm in and that regardless of if I was in the workforce or not, I was still a leader because as a parent, you're leading your little people. <laughs> yes, all the time. And I think that's a really powerful and important thing for, for all of us to remember is that, you know, if 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 mothers in particular often are the ones that for whatever variety of reasons make the decision choice or the family makes the decision choice for the moms to stay home, it is becoming a, you know, it's becoming more more prevalent that men, some men will stay home and that those roles will flip-flop. And actually the men will have the exact same experience. I've encountered men who've, you know, had, you know, great leadership roles and, you know, titles and all the stuff that we, 
we give a lot of accolades to in Western society. Uh, but when they flip that role, it's sort of like they, you know, the same, same deal. So this is this conversation, I think, will apply for both men and women. And I think the thing that you also point out is that because we don't, we don't have a value, like, you know, I, I've, I have, I have often said if, if people, if women went around and said, I'm the CEO of the Johnson household or the Johnson enterprises, or, you know, the Dufresne enterprises, that people would have greater um, acknowledgement of that, of those leadership roles. Cause it is, it is, you're leading a team, you're solving problems, <laughs> you're making things work, you're managing budgets. You're managing, you know, households, you're managing logistics. We are the greatest logistics project managers, budgets, bankers, you know, you name it. We we manage to get a lot done. And and that psychological piece, though, of, you know, being in the limelight with a title that people recognize and have given homage to. And then that shift is really difficult. And so you talk about... Um, you talk about, you know, that, like things that were going on behind the scenes. So you had your various leadership roles and your family made the decision for you to remain home to, to you know, help your children uh, grow up. But you also said that there were things going on that people didn't know necessarily. And I think, can you kind of shed some light on that? Because that's something that leaders who are still in a, you know, regular work environment, there's stuff going on with their families that, impacts their ability to lead. So you want to kind of explore that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, kind of my big aha journey was when our son, who's our our last child, um, we only have two, but he was the youngest. He was a baby, newborn, not sleeping through the night. So I was exhausted. Our daughter was about two and a half. She had some undiagnosed food allergies and sensory processing disorders. So very kind of moody toddler. My husband was traveling for work. And so I felt like I was caring a lot by myself because of his job. But then on top of that, I had gotten diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. So there were all of these pieces going on. And then you throw in the fact that I felt like I was just a mom. And that phrase kind of gets on my nerve, like, because you were talking about it earlier, like the title, like, why did we do that? Why did we degrade it to just a mom? Like it is the most like- Right. Like there's so right. much more to it than that. But Absolutely. I think that was going on with, within me and my identity too. So it was kind of this perfect storm of, oh my gosh, what, how do I do this? Cause I was completely overwhelmed. <laughs> so you're overwhelmed. And I think one of the things that you had shared is uh, one of the statements that I saw was really the importance of healing as a leader. And I want to actually just, you know, let's normalize moms are leaders. Uh, and very important leaders, if we took moms out of the equation, the world would stop working, period, full stop. <laughs> so, but you talk about the importance of healing. So you you said you had, you know, you know, these new little human beings that have come into the world. And of course, then we have to figure out what are they all about and how we're going to shepherd them forward. And there's things going on with them. And then your own recognition of things going on with you. What kind, and then you talk about the importance of healing. So what kind of was this, that what did that look like? What, what, what happened? What transpired that helped you realize that something else was going on that you needed to, to, to tackle? Yeah. It's so fascinating because I remember when our daughter and she was the only child we had at the time, I think I was pregnant. No, I had just had her 
And I started meeting with a life coach because I was like, I feel unfulfilled. I don't feel like I'm living up to my potential. I have these positions and these titles and I was in leadership and now I'm home. And so I started working with a life coach to kind of get some clarity around that. And so from that time till we had our second born, we had moved out of state. And so once again, I started to meet with a coach because I'm like, I just need some more clarity on, you know, how do I be a working mom because I want to do something outside of the home and use this skill set, but I also want to be home and not compromise my family and my beliefs and my values. So how do I do this without being all like in my mind, it was very much all or nothing. And so I started meeting with a coach who also happened to be a licensed clinical social worker who was the one who diagnosed me with the PTSD. So we went from coaching to therapy, but a part of that healing journey, Jenny, was for me to really learn how to listen to my body. And so I met with a naturopath who um, did a lot of vitamin testing, a lot of mineral testing to kind of figure out what was going on in my body. I tried medication for the PTSD. It didn't work for me. Um, I'm a big believer that what works for one doesn't work for all. So it might work for some, just didn't me. Um, So that led me to meet with the naturopath and really do kind of a deep dive on the impact of vitamins and nutrition and food and all of that on overall health. And so that is really kind of what started me on that journey. But I think it was a very holistic journey because I was, you know, doing the mental healing with the therapist, I was doing the physical healing with the um, naturopath. And so really just treating the whole person is really kind of what started me on that journey. I think the reason that I, and I'd love for you actually to, to kind of delve into a little bit more, what did, what did that, what did PTSD look like for you again? Because I would imagine it didn't just show up when you became a mother, it was in your leadership roles. Again, this importance, I think as leaders, we aren't separated from whatever's going on inside of us. If we show up in our, you know, a formally titled environment and we have unresolved trauma, unresolved stuff that it shows up. So for you, maybe as you started to go through that healing journey, what did you notice or recognize about behaviors that showed up when you were in actual leadership roles? And then that were probably also spilling into your family. Like, what did you see? What did you notice? I'm very agitated, (laughs) like just really easily agitated, aggravated, frustrated, um, just really had kind of a short fuse. I think it it came out more so probably with the motherhood side. I think I could could do a pretty well, pretty good job of like masking it in the leadership because I knew that I could do that and then I could go home and kind of let it down. Um, but I think when you have kids, you, there is no letting it down. Like they're always there. <laughs> and you've got this newborn baby who's crying all the time because she had colic because I didn't know. And that just triggered me and it would enrage me because I never felt like I had a break. I didn't feel like I had space. And even in leadership, you know, like you find ways to, oh, I need to go for a walk. Oh, I need to go run an errand. I need to go to the bathroom. You find ways to get that. And so I think for me, it was definitely there, but like you said, it just was kind of hidden and I found ways to kind of work around it. But then within motherhood, it just all came seeping out. (laughs) And one of the ways that I think that you share that you found a way to work around it was to develop a <clears throat> a relationship or a love affair with food. And mm-hmm. there's some, so you have kind of a couple of layers to your story. One is my relationship with food, particularly your love life with sugar, <laughs> which I'd love for you to talk, talk about. And also though, 
the other part of it was like, I think you shared somewhere that you, you're not a big believer in the, the dieting world. Like, you know, so going through that. So stress makes us, you know, can compel us to eat. Uh, again, I think particularly women, because we're, we're managing lots of stressors in lots of different ways and lots of self-doubt and, you know, and whether you're in a, a formal leadership role or informal leadership role, those things are still at play. So when you were on this journey, I don't know, like where that relationship with food started to take over and then what, what happened? Like, what did you, what did you, what were your experiences? Uh, it started in childhood. I can remember being like an eight-year-old little girl and hiding Pop-Tarts and cookies and candies and all sorts of sweet treats in my room because I didn't know how to handle the anxiety and the overwhelm and everything that I was experiencing. So I think for me, it was an instant relief. It made me feel better. And I had no idea I was doing this because it was a coping mechanism, but it carried, right? So I remember being in college and being stressed out, overwhelmed, sorority leader in the house, going down and, you know, taking like a big bag of chips and just eating them all. And it's like, what is going on? So there was some awareness of it. Um, and it wasn't really until, you know, I started the, the coaching and the therapy and the naturopath that, you know, what it was, is it was... Our son had really bad reflux and I took him to the chiropractor to get adjusted. And she was like, what did you eat? He's really fussy. And I'm like, I had some Oreos. Thinking that would end the question. I told you what I right. ate. Move along. <laughs> Let's go. It's going. Right. And she was Keep like, well, how many did you have? And I'm like, I don't want to lie, but I like had to tell her I ate like the whole, like half of the sleeve of Oreos. And she said, you are not only harming yourself by doing that, but you're also harming your child. And oh, that's I, helpful. Right? <laughs> I know that you're stressed and overwhelmed, but food is not the answer. And that was like the, the first time somebody like said that to me. And it really gave me pause because I'm like, wait, like, what am I doing with food? And I could track, you know, when the kids went down for a nap, I would, would have a diet Dr. Pepper and some Oreo. Like it was my go-to. It was how I felt better. And so I had to learn how to find other ways to feel better without the food. And that was a part of my healing journey with learning what triggers me. How do I handle my overwhelm and my stress and my exhaustion? And what are some new things I can do in place of turning to the sugar? I think this is, that's a, it's so powerful. And I think the, the recognition of, well, it sounded like if I just heard you correctly, that what was happening with your son was also connected to your behaviors, your orientation towards food, your orient, what kinds of foods, which, which, because women as the leaders of buying food for households, that means that we also are whatever can be operating for us. We can also be then transferring it. I mean, we're setting the, we're setting the table essentially for what happens in our families. Right. So, so your, your son was having reactions based on the foods that you were bringing in, which were giving you comfort. And I think you talked about that there were food allergies, like what, and again, so for those of you who are listening and going, well, Jenny, I thought this is a conversation about leadership. We have to recognize and remember that we aren't a title and that I always say leadership is an inside job. It starts inside, like how we feel about ourselves, what we, what our perceptions are of ourselves, what we consume, whether it's in liquid form or paste form or any other form, smokable forms, like there's lots of different ways we can consume things. 
that it affects the body, us, but it also affects our behaviors. And I think no matter the leadership roles we have, if they're a formal, we have some big fancy pants title, or if we have a big fancy pants title that isn't recognized commonly, like motherhood or fatherhood or grandparenthood, that there are still things that are affecting the people around us, first starting with ourselves. And so you talk about the food allergy issues, because the other thing is, it sounds like there was a sort of cauldron of stressors that were ignited from food. You talk about like that recognition, what was happening with your children, you, maybe your spouse, like how all that was, how that began to get uncovered. Did you just ask, how did it get uncovered? Yeah. How did it get uncovered? So you, you had the coaching piece, you had the, but a lot of folks are doing coaching. Like, yeah, I have coaches, right? So we have that. You had naturopathic medicine or, or healing. So you're working that angle. How did, like, how did those recognitions begin to build to like, I need to have different kinds of tests. I think you were getting tests around your vitamins and that kind of like, how did you figure out what was really going on? with how food was impacting you? Yeah, so with the allergy piece, our daughter, um, she was vomiting every night. And so Mm. we had just made the decision, we were in Illinois at the time that we were gonna move from Illinois to South Dakota. And so we put the sign in the yard and we thought that she was stressed about the move. And it was my husband's aunt who had gone through a similar experience with her child who said, you might wanna have her tested for food allergies because that's one of, the signs of them. So we went to the allergy clinic, got her tested, discovered that she had intolerances. And I thought, you know what, I probably have them too. So that led me to get tested, but it was just like all of these pieces of an onion, really Jenny, that just had to be unpeeled because it was like one was affecting the other. The food was affecting the behavior. It was affecting the mood. It was affecting her vomiting. It was affecting the sleep. It was affecting everything. And I just didn't know the impact that food had on all of that. I thought that food was only connected to weight And so to really kind of do this deep dive into the impact that food has on everything was eye-opening and life-changing because it affects everything. And it's like you said, what we put in is what comes out. And as leaders, we're responsible for how we show up in the world and how we feed and what we put in affects how we show up. Right. So what, so you, you started to have these awakenings, I guess. Mm -hmm. It sounds like your children were kind of facilitating some of that, but you also Mm -hmm. got, as you said, you got on the path of having a coach and working with coaches and started to do your, started to engage your own healing, your own internal healing. Uh, What then, so now today you are, I think you talked about a a lot of weight was shed from you, um, physical, physically shed from you, probably also emotionally, if you're doing coaching and and therapy. What then was your transition point to uh, you embarking on becoming a health coach, life coach, I think health coach and life coach, correct? What was the kind of, what? how did you then begin to think, hey, I, I can take my story, my experiences and be helpful to other, other, other mothers who are experiencing the same thing? Yeah, it was a lot of people coming to me and asking, okay, what are you doing? And I, to be completely honest, looking back, it was frustrating because it was the weight that they noticed. And so they were coming to me with this weight. And I was like, no, like, yes, that is a great byproduct. But let me tell you, I have better energy. I have better moods. I'm happier. My kids are happier. Like this is, it's not just the weight. And so 
people were constantly coming to me asking for help. And I was like, well, I can tell you what I did, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be your experience and what you need to do. And so I just realized a lot of people were in a similar spot and didn't know what to do. And I figured it out so I could go to school and help other people learn how to figure it out too. <laughs> awesome. So, so tell me like you, when you're working with, with, you know, someone comes to you and they're struggling, uh, you know, they're, they're really struggling with maybe anxiety, maybe weight, maybe just, I don't know how to be, I don't know how to balance motherhood and if they have a formal leadership role or a role outside of the house, like what's kind of the way that you like to engage those conversations? Yeah, I think it's really meeting people where they're at and helping them kind of identify the root because there's always a root, but we generally want to put the bandaid on it. And so we want to solve the problem that we see without digging a little deeper to find out what the, the root of it is. So for me, like, I could have changed my diet. I could have done that, but that would not be getting to the root. And so I'm really big on let's do a deep dive. Let's figure out what's really going on. And let's attack that because that's where you're going to heal. That's where you're going to transform. That's where you're going to have that lasting change. You've got to get that root. So it's really meeting people where they're at and finding out about their situation, what's going on, where did this start and doing some deep dives. <laughs> yeah. The and, and who wants to do that, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's important though. But I think again, like it, it is part of, and this is what, you know, again, leadership being an inside job, you know, know thyself, as we say in the military, and I know this, know thyself and seek self-improvement. At least we used to say that. Uh, and it becomes really, really super important. So as you, as you have gone on your own journey of helping, you know, beginning your own education, because you, you, you've done a lot of work around the kind of education, uh, what, what kinds of transformation or successes have people who've worked with you like what do you have like a case study you know or someone that you would point out obviously different names but that you could kind of share like someone that you came to you and then you know the before and after kind of experience what share 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 a couple of those stories with us yeah I have several so the first one that comes to mind is um someone that I've known since childhood we grew up in the same town in the midwest mm -hmm. and she came to me wanting to lose weight and so we began that journey and come to find out she had a lot of trauma that she hadn't worked through. And so she was holding on to a lot in her body. And so we really worked through like, how do you work through that? How do you heal from that? How do you release that? And so her, her quote at the end of our time together was not only did I lose weight working with you, but I really learned how to heal and how to change and how to be a better me, which translates to being a better wife, a better mom, a better employee because I know how to manage myself and I'm not letting the trauma or the food or the feelings control me, but it's really, she learned how to manage herself, which I think is the most powerful thing. Important. What do you say to people who are like, yeah, you know, I'm 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years old. And I've been just, you know, I've been doing this just fine. I just need to get the weight off because I'm just overeating like this healing stuff. Eh. It's that, you know, that's that pseudoscience stuff. It's not, it's not real. So what is your, what is, what would you say to someone who says, we, we don't need to get into my childhood. We don't, we don't need to get into my divorce. We don't need to get into those things because there's no correlation. It's that's that pseudoscience stuff. What would you say to them? I would say, if you're not willing to go there, that's fine. I'm not going to force you, but when you're ready, there is a huge correlation. The body keeps score. The body remembers two really great books about how 
we have trauma in our body and how we need to learn to work through it and how everything that we've done affects what we do. So there's a phrase I learned that our beliefs affect our thoughts, which affects our actions. And so if you don't look at the belief and why you believe what you believe, whether it's something someone said over you as a child, maybe it was an experience you had. If you don't go back and uncover that belief, your thoughts and your actions are not going to change. The, the, the extension of that is all of it is coded in our subconscious, right? And um, I am a fan of uh, Bob, Bob Proctor, who mm-hmm. uh, has spent many, well, he, he's left the planet now, but 60 some years of studying conscious and subconscious. And it's something like 95% of our behaviors are coming from the subconscious, which means we're not even, we, we, we're, we have no idea that, that, that it's operating. And I think what you're saying is also, and I've also heard where, um, like every, even if we don't remember them, every single experience we've had is encoded in our bodies, everything. And so you know, I, I take something as simple as when in the nineties, I was in a car accident, I was hit head on. And what's fascinating is that fast forward is 30, whatever, however many years later, my body will still react, even though I've done physical therapy and all that, but there's that trauma is still residing in my body. And I have to be conscious even now I'm healthy, I'm strong. I, and you know, I have to still be really conscious of when I feel certain things or certain kind of stressors, it, my whole body will be like, we're not doing any of this, you know? So I think that's a really important, it's an important reminder for people because I do think, and I, I wonder, you know, when, when you start working with people around this and you hit that resistance of, yeah, it's not that it's just that I, I love sugar. I love Oreos. I love Diet Coke. I love all these. I love chips. I love ice cream. I love all of that. When you hit that barrier, which is internal, like how do you, how how do you help someone or how do you encourage someone or how do you help people navigate to, to get through it? Like to get to, to, to start to tiptoe into it. Like what's the work that you do around that? Yeah, I think that's what's really beautiful about my process is it's a slow build of really teaching people how to connect to themselves and their bodies. And it's asking questions and helping them discover what's inside of them. It's not me telling them what to think or feel, but just being curious and holding space and kind of helping them do a little bit of a deep dive. And so they almost come to it on their own. I remember that Mm -hmm. client that I referenced earlier she was sharing some things. And I said, do you think that sounds like trauma? And she was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't even had that realization. And so I remember that being like a really defining moment because we had worked together long enough that the trust was there that I could ask that. But sometimes other clients are like, oh, that sounds traumatic. And I had never connected those dots until I was sharing it with you. And so kind of giving them the space to connect those dots is really powerful too. I think also being a, being an example, right? I think, you know, your story of, you know, being in leadership roles, becoming a mother, your kids are doing, you know, your kids got stuff going on or one kid does and then the next one comes along and that person has, you know, that little person has something going on and then your own 
balancing and all the inner inner conversations we have. I mean, the other thing is, is that your lived example and your example of healing and discovery is also a great model for people who you, you know, who would be, who would be working, working with you or connected with you. So as we get close to uh, closing, what's, what's a, um, what's a lesson or two that you would want to share with people on why, if they're reticent about this journey, or they think they just need to take another diet pill, or they need to do the magnificent 21 day purge fast, What's your, what are the lessons or the kind of takeaways that you'd want someone who might be thinking that, that you'd want them to grasp? Yeah, I guess I would just ask them, okay, so stop and think, like, what do you really want? Like, I think so many times we think that when we look a certain way or we're a certain size or we lose a certain number of pounds, that our life is just going to magically, mystically get better. So help me understand the correlation between losing weight and your life getting better. You might feel like you look better. You might fit into some clothes. But if that weight is caused by stress, anxiety, trauma, overwhelm, eating too much sugar, food addiction, whatever that is, that's not being addressed. And so your life really isn't going to change until you do the work to address that root cause. Because that's where the freedom takes place. That's where the joy is. That's where the hope, that's where the peace is in being free from that. And that's what we need to go after. Yes, you might look better. You might feel better. But statistics show that 95% of people who go on a diet lose weight gain it back. Right. Yep. That's very true. And that is a very important lesson. I think that, and a very important question, actually, you know, what is, what is, and it's, it's just so, what you just said is so powerful. I can think of you know, people who do those crash diets and they look fabulous. And then I think Oprah as a, as a, as an example of someone that was very public, you know, would go through these huge, you know, she, you know, you know, lose all the weight. And then, you know, within six months later, she was not only had regained it, but had gained it plus. Right. And, and then until she started to really unpack and do a lot more of that internal work, uh, did she not, did she not see the success, uh, that she needed or that she was seeking the joy that she was seeking. So. Melissa, thank you so much. Um, just as we get ready to close, your what's your favorite? Like who, who right now? Someone's listening to this and they're thinking they're trying to figure out. You know, I don't know if this is some, something for me. Who would be you know your ideal like client? Your ideal person to you know call you up on the phone or shoot you an email and say, Hey, Melissa, I'd love to work with you. Who's who is that? What what do they sound like? What are they thinking about right now? They are thinking, Oh my gosh, I am so stressed. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I don't love the way that I look. I don't like the way that I feel. I don't like the way that I'm showing up, but I don't know what to do about it. I've tried the diets. I've tried all the plans. I've tried the CrossFits. I've tried all the things. Nothing has worked for me because I still find myself on the couch at night eating a bag of chips to relax because I'm overwhelmed or I'm eating ice cream to feel better. I need to find freedom from this. What do I do? Excellent. Excellent. So Melissa Rolf, CEO of Free to Be Coaching Firm. Um, she is a, you're a certified life coach, a certified nutritional coach. Am I remembering that? Or can you tell health us coach. that so, instead health of me coach. worrying about from my memory? <laughs> you're good. You're good. Health coach. A health, health coach, and life. health and, and life coach. Um, 
if you are interested in working with Melissa, if any of this resonated, and I think most of us in leadership roles, mine was bottles of wine. That was my that was my relief. I'm not so much on food, but wine was definitely my go-to uh, under stress. And so, but if you if any of this conversation really resonates for you, um, all of Melissa's contact information is in our show notes, and I would completely invite you if you're in in a leadership role that you're really stressed and you're balancing motherhood or fatherhood. Um, make sure you reach out. Uh, the world needs healed leaders. It needs leaders who are joyful because some of the stuff that might be residing in them has been taken care of. So Melissa, thank you so much for being on the room where leaders talk. Thank you for having me, Jenny. I've enjoyed the conversation. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in the room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com and continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.